going to come under the full counsel of your word. Thank you for giving us your word. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It divides. It instructs. It encourages. It is a word of grace. It puts courage. It encourages us. So this morning, Lord, I pray that the meditations of my heart might be acceptable in your sight and that it will be a word that will bring encouragement to all of us. And so we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, the title is Take Courage and it's from Acts chapter 23, verse 11. What is courage? Um, so many quotes on, on courage, but I like particularly these two. One is by a very uh, famous theologian called Karl Barth, and he said that courage is fear that has said its prayers, which means you bring your fears before the Lord. Courage is fear that has said its prayers. The other one um, I also like very much, Eddie Reckenbacher. Um, he is um, a fighter pilot from World War I, okay, very long ago. A World War I ace, uh, shot down many planes, uh, Medal of Honor, as in the highest award for bravery. And after the war, he became a race car driver, my kind of man. And he said, courage is doing what you are afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you are afraid. And so it validates all the fears that I have in my heart, that it is okay to be afraid. I understand that in the Air Force, there is a term called NAFOD, N-A-F-O-D. What it means is no apparent fear of death. N-A-F-O-D, no apparent fear of death. Such a long word, no apparent fear of death. Seven syllables. You know what was the Hokkien version? Huh? Not afraid of death. And the Air Force has no use for people who are not afraid to die. Because some level of fear is necessary for safety. And, and the Air Force, as I think in all organizations, has no use for, for fearless, reckless people especially fearless, reckless pilots who endanger lives as well as expensive equipment. And so some level of fear is required for good decision-making. And so this fear that has been overcome is then courage. And today we consider this verse, Acts chapter 23, verse 11. It says, The following night, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, stood near Paul, Paul his servant, his apostle, and said, Take courage! As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Now this particular verse left a very deep impression in me. A um, long time ago, when I was a very, very new Christian in the 70s, uh, late 70s in, in the UK when, when I was studying, whenever this verse was read, my, my friends start to sniggle and they start to giggle and laugh and I don't get the joke. I don't get the joke. Uh, some inside joke which I, as an Asian, coming into a foreign country, simply couldn't understand why they are laughing at this verse. And there is a situation in life that takes extreme courage. Most husbands will know this. When the wife says, do you think I'm fat? Or do you think my butt is too big? This is the killer question. 
okay, for which there is no right answer. If you say yes, you are in trouble. If you say no, you are insincere. So you don't win. And this is an advertisement for beer. There is the name of a beer called Take Courage. Courage. And I guess when you drink the beer, it gives you courage to tell your wife that the butt is big or, or, or whatever. Or if your wife asks you this question, you don't answer, you just go... go, 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 go. I, you know, I, I'm drinking beer, I cannot answer you. But let's come back to our text. In the New International Version, it says, the Lord told Paul, take courage. Now I understand. Take courage to... A UK person is like, go drink beer. Right? So now I understand the joke. Say, take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify about me in, in Rome. And in the New King James Version, it is translated, be of good cheer. Likewise, they cheers, cheers, you know. Be of good cheer. Cheer up. For you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also go to Rome. And that take courage, be of good cheer is actually just one Greek word, the word phaseo. And other translations is also translated as take heart, take heart. So take courage, take heart, be of good cheer, be encouraged is the same Greek word. So let's look at the context of, of Paul's situation where the Lord Jesus appeared to him at night to tell him to take courage, to be of good cheer. What happened? Paul, as we all know, was a Pharisee of Pharisees and he was not ashamed to say he was faultless in legalistic righteousness. That, he, that means he obeyed all the rules. He kept to all the rules. Faultless. A respectable Pharisee and ahead of his peers, he was like a precedent scholar. Ahead of his peers. And he persecuted the church. He persecuted the church because there is this person called Jesus whom he thought was leading many of his Jewish friends astray until he met the resurrected Jesus. You all know on the road to Damascus, a light shone on him and he was converted. He met Jesus and he knew that Jesus had resurrected, came back to life from the dead and then his world turned upside down. And then he turned the world upside down. Why? Because he started preaching about Jesus and his resurrection. Acts chapter 23, verse 6. Then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees, you see, he was, he was uh, brought before this council of, um, uh, called the Sanhedrin. Okay? And then Paul, knowing that some of them were Sadducees and the other Pharisees, called out in the Sanhedrin, which is 71 men of all the religious rulers um, in Israel. And he said, my brothers, he called them my brothers, I'm a Pharisee. I'm a Pharisee. I'm a son of a Pharisee. And I stand on trial because of my hope in the resurrection of the dead. And then they went into a, a tizzy and, and a fight. You see, resurrection is always the sticky issue. Always. It would have been easier for us as Christians or for Paul to just don't talk about the resurrection. I mean, it's incredible that somebody should rise from the dead 
2,000 years ago. Just call him uh, a moral teacher. A moral teacher would be good. Uh, a very clever man uh, who did not even write a book, but people recorded his sayings. And, and it's a very good book, uh, very instructive. He, he's a good example of, of a good man. Why don't we do that? The Bible says if we do that, if we do not talk about the resurrection of Jesus, we are of, of all men most to be pitied because you are following a dead faith. You will go to the grave just as your leader and your religious leader before you and the ultimate religious leader who went to the grave and he died there and he became ashes. You are of all men most to be pitied. And that's why we believe in the resurrection. That's why we preach about the resurrection. And so before the Sanhedrin, which is a council of 71 religious leaders, Paul suffered. And he suffered greatly because what, of what he preached. He was persecuted by his own people, fellow Pharisees. It's recorded for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, the sufferings of Paul. Five times he received 39 lashes and you've seen the passion of the Christ. Those lashes with the cat, what, cat or tails or something, they rip out the flesh in you. Five times he was hit with rods. Three times he was stoned once and he was shipwrecked three times. Just to give a crazy example, okay, about being persecuted by your own people. It's like me as a pastor here appearing before my diaconate of 15 members on charges of heresy. Let's say I preach there is no resurrection, okay? And then Chairman Vincent Lim, the youngest elder, okay? Younger than me, huh? I'm also an elder, ordering one of the deacons to give me a tight slap across my mouth. That would break my heart, right? I've served here so many years. That's a small example of, 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 of what Paul uh, went through. Broke his heart. Broke his heart. And in Acts chapter 23 verse 10, the situation became so bad. Acts chapter 23 verse 10, the dispute became so violent that the commander, the Roman commander, was afraid Paul would be torn to pieces by them, by these 71 men. And so he ordered the troops to go down and to take him away from them by force and bring him into the barracks. Paul would have been the case of Nafot if he didn't fear for his life then. Certainly, the Roman commander feared for Paul's life. And he was afraid that Paul would be torn to pieces. I don't think that was an euphemism. I don't think he was like a, a hyperbole. It was in such a context that that same night, Jesus appeared to Paul. And we read Acts chapter 23, verse 11. The following night, the Lord stood by Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, you must also testify in Rome. And so, how do we take courage? How do we be of good cheer? And then, as an application, how do we then give courage? And how do we give good cheer without using beer? How do we encourage? And how do we be of comfort? In all the same word. So firstly, how do we take courage and be of good cheer? It's because God stands by you. The Lord stood near Paul. In the King James Version, the Lord stood by Paul. And God stands by you. All over the Bible, all over history, God reassures His people again and again of His presence. That He stands 
by us that He will never leave us, He will never forsake us. And all the way back in Deuteronomy, from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, from verse 6, let me read this slowly. God was telling Moses, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, because of the enemies. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave never leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses summoned Joshua, his uh, number two man, and said to him in the presence of all Israel, passing on, learning the application. Moses said, Be strong and courageous, for you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to your forefathers to give them, and you must divide it among them as their inheritance. And he repeats this, Moses did. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Lots of do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid. God stands by you. And the importance of this verse in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy is, is re-emphasized and repeated in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. The fact is, God is with us. God stands by us. God is His name, Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. But the fact also is that we will fear. We do have fear. More than 60 times in the Bible, we are told, fear not, fear not, do not be afraid. And so, courage is fear that has said His prayers, that you have brought these fears before the Lord and how true that is. James chapter 4 verse 8 tells us, come near to God, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. And we draw near to God best in prayer, in faith, in calling upon His name. Moses has one, had one of the toughest leadership assignments on earth, I think ever, to lead the people of Israel. And he was constantly reassured by God that I am with you, I am with you, do not be afraid. So much so that Moses himself said, that the Lord told Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest again, assurance after reassurance. And then Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with me, if you do not stand by me, do not send us up from here. I'd just rather die here. So that was the closeness of the relationship between Moses and God. And King David had this to say also in Psalm 139. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. That's the closeness of the relationship between man and his God. So these are the facts. These are the facts that God tells us, do not be afraid. He stands by us, He goes with us, He goes before us, and He goes with us. Even if you don't feel like God is standing by you. You know, two of the most uncomfortable experiences that I've had was when I had, had to confess my guilt and when I had to confront the guilty. Most of you will know that, that many years ago, when I was about 22 years old, I had to confess to the authorities that I had lied about my asthma condition uh, when I joined the Air Force. 
And it was a big deal, okay? It was a big deal that went all the way to the defense minister. I could have been court martialed. Fortunately, fortunately, I was not. I was fearful, but I said my prayers, and many people said their prayers together with me, and God stood by me when it was my fault. It was my fault. I was a liar. Even, and because it was the right thing to do, and because I knew where God stand on this issue of honesty was, I knew that even if I didn't feel like he was standing by me, my faith tells me that he was with me. So, confessing your guilt. And secondly, confronting the guilty. There are times in my working life where I've had to confront subordinates, particularly, and even friends, particularly about certain issue of integrity and honesty. And and those times, in fact, every time, I wish the issue would just go away. Go away. Now, I don't want to have to tackle this with you face to face. And, a God, and again, God stands with you in such unpleasant and difficult tasks because you know where God stands on this issue. You will know that God stands with you on this issue. And so long as you do it with grace and not with self-righteousness. So if you know God's stand you know God stands with you. You get it? If you know God's stand, you know that God will stand with you. So how do we take courage? God stands with you. And secondly, as with Paul, God stands with you, God speaks to you. The Lord stood near Paul and spoke. What did he say? Take courage as you have te- testified in Jerusalem, you will testify in Rome. God spoke words of comfort, commendation, and commission. Comfort. He spoke, um, take courage, be of good cheer. Commendation, you have testified about me in Jerusalem, one of the toughest places to do so with your own kind of people who will oppose you. Well done. Commission, you will testify in Rome the capital of the superpower of its day. And you know that one of the, in fact, the most repeated statement of Jesus is this, let him who has an ear listen. Let him who has an ear listen. There is uh, a technical term called signal-to-noise ratio. Have you heard of it? Signal-to-noise ratio. You know, this sermon is being recorded. Sometimes we have some problems behind, and the noise, my signal is my voice speaking, and the noise level goes until so high that it drowns out the voice. And you hear, you hear, it drowns out the voice. And signal to noise ratio. And sometimes our noise ratio is very high, so much so that when God speaks, we cannot hear. Right? We have, we have all kinds of other things in our minds that we cannot hear the still small voice of God. So don't let God's voice be crowded out, be drowned. So, let him who has an ear listen is the most used statement by Jesus. I believe it's something like 15 times. Then, one of the other very commonly used phrases of Jesus is this one. Take courage. Take courage. So, let's, let's look at that, okay? Let's look at this word, take courage, tasio in Greek. <coughs> Words of comfort. <coughs> there are five, there are many verses, but there are five specific occasions that this has come out. One of them is in Matthew chapter 9, 
verse 2, where some men brought a paralytic, a paralyzed person lying on a mat to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son. That word. Take heart. Take courage. Be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven. Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. First instance. Second instance, there was a woman who was bleeding for 12 years. She had some kind of hemorrhage for 12 years. Matthew chapter 9, verse 22 this time. Jesus turned and saw her and he said, Take heart, take courage, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Another time, you remember there was a storm on the Galilee and Jesus was walking on water to the disciples. Matthew chapter 14, verse 27. And Jesus saw that they were afraid. He turned to them and said, Take courage, be of good cheer, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Another time, John chapter 16 verse 33, Jesus said towards the end of his life, preparing his disciples for his death, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, be of good cheer, take courage. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. And the last occasion wasn't quite said by Jesus, but said by his disciples. When in Mark chapter 10, verse 49, Jesus stopped and called Bartimaeus, the blind man. Call him, he said. Call him to come to me. And so they called the blind man. The disciples called the blind man and said, cheer up. Taseo, take heart, take courage, be of good courage. On your feet, Jesus is calling you. These are the words of comfort that Jesus gives to us. Secondly, words of commendation. When Jesus told Paul, you've done well. You have testified for me. You have been my witness in Jerusalem. Now I'm going to send you to the ends of the earth at that time, all the way to Rome. You have testified about me in Jerusalem. You have done well. You have been courageous. To the woman with the blood discharge in Matthew 9, he said, your faith has healed you. You have good faith. To Bartimaeus, he called him to come and he came and he was healed. And in Luke chapter 18, which talks about the Bartimaeus issue, same word, your faith has healed you, Bartimaeus. So it's not so much like amazing feats, like preaching at big conferences or healing the sick or giving millions of, of doc, uh, 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 dollars, but faith, faith, and faithfulness. Paul was simply being faithful in preaching the gospel in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Faithful. Faith. Same word in Greek, faithful and faith. Likewise, the woman with the discharge of blood for 12 years, likewise, the blind man. And then, words of comfort, words of commendation, and words of commission. You must testify about me in Rome, Paul. I am sending you to Rome, the capital of the only superpower of his day. To Paul, it would be, have been like being sent to preach the gospel in, in, in say, the, the UN General Assembly in New York, or, or to both houses of Congress in the United States, or, or to, to Beijing, to the Great Hall of the People. I'm going to send you there and you're going to preach the gospel there. But it's not so very different from Jesus' commission to us. 
when it tells us that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. That is his commission to us. And Jesus also commissioned us by telling us in Luke chapter 10, verse 3, I am sending you out like lamb among wolves. That's a commission. It's a high calling. And Jesus again said in John chapter 20, 21, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. So we all have a commission, not necessarily to New York or Beijing or Washington, D.C., but to the places that God has placed each one of us. And God says, I am sending you to take up your cross and to follow me. And I'm sending you with a cause that is larger than your comfort. You have a cause, as did Paul. And your cause is to declare that Jesus rose from the dead. And that in Jesus' name, there is salvation. In Jesus' name, there is eternal life. So in this world, you will have trouble. These are the words of Jesus. Did Paul have trouble? He certainly did. In this world, you will need courage. You will need cheer. You will need comfort. Paul did. He needed all these things and God gave it to him. And so will you. And so will I. And so Paul was encouraged. Courage was put into him. You know the word encourage, N is in. Put courage in you. Paul was cheered up. He was of good cheer because Jesus stands by his man and Jesus spoke words of comfort, of commendation and of commission. And that is why God tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, He says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received. And this word comfort is, in Greek, is parakaleo. It's, it means, it's um, very similar to the Holy Spirit, right? Holy Spirit is a spirit of comfort. It means to come alongside, to come alongside. It captures both the element of God standing with us and God speaking to us, coming alongside us. In the Hebrew, there is an equivalent called Shazak. And you can find this verse uh, with this, this Hebrew word of uh, courage and encourage in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. This is King David. King David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. These were his 600 men. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters, because of his sons and daughters, but David found strength in the Lord his God. Okay, I've got to give you some uh, context to this. David had a band of 600 men. And while they were doing their thing, the enemy came, the Amalekites came, and captured all their wives and their children. Didn't kill them, they just kidnapped the whole lot. So 600, let's say two children and one wife, 600 times three, 1,800 women and children were captured. And when the men came back to Ziglag, to that, place where they expected to find their wives and children, they were all gone. And, and these were not uh, like disciplined soldiers. These were the ragtag band that David accumulated and they were about to stone him. And how did David feel? I've let my men down. I've let 600 men down by leading them to this place and did not send a, a rear guard to protect the woman 
and, and the children. He must have felt terrible. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. How do you do that? How do you do that? I think it's simple, right? He drew near to God and God drew near to him. When God drew near to him, God stand by him. And when God stand by him, God spoke to him. Same procedure, if you like, that Paul had. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. He will stand by you and he will speak to you. In Romans chapter 10, verse 8, there is a verse that goes, The word is near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart. This is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. The word is, is near you. So the simple disciplines of a child of God. But the lesson today is not just that we would be cheered up, that we would take courage, and then life would be hunky-dory for us. What does 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 tell us? That we receive comfort, we need to give comfort. The same comfort that we have received. And so we turn to a cause that is larger than ourselves, larger than our own comfort, larger than our own encouragement, larger than the overcoming of our own fears, to look outwards, to look outwards. And there is another beautiful verse in 1 Samuel that I want to introduce to you. I hope it's here. Yes. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 16. And this was Saul's son. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horash and helped him find strength in God. That is the same Hebrew word, to be encouraged. Okay, so the context was, you know, that King Saul was the first king of Israel and, and the prophet anointed David as king, as a very young, uh, young adult. But he never became king until many years later. And Saul was jealous and Saul sought to kill King David. And King David was running around like a fugitive. But King David and Saul's son, Jonathan, were such good friends. And Jonathan came to David and helped him to find strength in God. In the, uh, I think in the King James Version, it says, help him to find encouragement uh, in God. So even King David, warrior, man's man, poet, commissioned to be king, needed encouragement. Don't talk about all of us. And Jonathan helped him find strength find encouragement in God. How? Stand with David. How? Speak words to David. Words of comfort, words of commendation, and words of commission. And particularly, he spoke words of commission. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, the one verse later, verse 17, he tells, Jonathan tells David, don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. God has determined it. God has commissioned you. You will be king. Remember your calling. Remember your commission. And I will be second to you. I'm the king's son. And I'm going to be second to you. You will be king. That is your commission. That is the cause that is larger than all your discomfort of hiding like a fugitive from my father Saul. And he says, even my father knows it. Those were the words of comfort, commendation, commission that was given to King Saul. So, um, let me ask the musicians to, 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 to prepare. So, do we need courage? Sure we do. Uh, unless you're one of those Nafot guys. You know, Bokyasi one. 
all of us, we, we need courage. We need to turn to God. We need to, we need to draw near to God. Do you need some kind of cheering up today? Some fears to overcome? Come to Jesus. Stand at the altar as He stands by you. Let Him speak words of comfort, commendation, and commission to you. Receive the courage, the cheer, the comfort from Him. And then give, give the comfort, the courage, and the cheer. Even as we cut quite down and, and, and reflect on this, perhaps there is someone that the Lord has impressed upon your heart today that you need to go and give some good cheer to. You need to bring some courage to, bring some comfort and encouragement to. Do it the same way. Stand by them and speak words of comfort, commendation and commission. Help someone find strength in God. Like Jonathan help David. One Thessalonians four eighteen has this very these words. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. What words? Therefore, you need to go before that, right? So, back a few verses to verse thirteen. It says, "Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant about those who die, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope." And then in verse seventeen and we will be with the Lord forever. So we need all of us to be reminded of eternity. Uh, about three weeks ago, I am as close to Nafot as can be, but still I have fears. Three weeks ago, I felt a little blister in my tongue. I thought nothing of it. It's just a normal uh, blister until I went to the mirror and I saw that it was black. It was like half a five cent coin, black color. And then the fear just <laughs> rose up to my head. I said, oh no, tongue cancer. And I tell you, the fear was so great. I was in Malaysia at the time. Whole night couldn't sleep. I was preparing to drive home the next morning to see a doctor. Um, the Lord stood by me. He spoke words. Not really. <laughs> Not really. But by faith, I know He will. That even if I should have, I know there is one person in our midst here who has been through tongue cancer. I've walked a little bit with this, this brother. The, I cannot imagine the pain. But he went through it. And I keep thinking about him. I keep thinking about him. I think it would be alright if he stands by me. If I have tongue cancer. If he stands by me, I think I can get through it. I think I can get through it. And it was like this. It was like this. Half unbelief, half faith, half needing somebody to stand by you, a real life and flesh, a person who's been through it. Of course, you hear that Jesus was tempted in every way like we did without sin and He stands by us. is good enough. But I think very, very often the Lord sends someone, someone who stands by you. And so, fortunately, the next morning as I was brushing my teeth and I like, sort of brushed my tongue, the thing burst, it went away and took about another week later to, to heal and now I think it's okay. But who knows, ah? Huh? Who knows, ah? Huh? If it happens, uh, stand by me, lah. stand by my bedside as I say bye-bye to you all, okay? Uh, pray that there'll be enough faith to die a good death, uh, to die a good death. And so we will be with the Lord forever. I think encourage one another with these uh, words. Okay, I want...
still got time. I'll tell you one more story. And this one is like, sometimes don't talk too much is best, huh? but unfortunately, I'm on the pulpit. Um, it's like the standing by you is, is so important, right? When you are in trouble, when you need comfort, when you need a word of cheer, a person just standing by you doesn't talk very much. That is... You see it in the, in the, in the human realm. And I think, in some sense, it works in the physical realm as well, right? Sometimes people come to you and blast all kinds of verses at you and you, you feel worse after that. Sometimes all you need is Jesus to stand by you. I know by faith He's with me. Okay, this is terrible, this is painful, but God is with me. That's all you need. And so, this story about a mother who was at the end of her wits, right? I think like the father ran away, uh, the husband ran away, and, 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 and she lost her job, and, and she was sick, and she had a migraine and all that, and she just couldn't do anything but cry and cry. And one day, she just like went before the, the baby in a bread bed, and she was just putting her, her, her upper body on a bed, and she was just crying and crying and crying. So what did this baby do? This baby took out her pacifier and stuffed it in the mother's mouth. Problem solved. Right? Stand by. I don't know what relation it's got to do with this, but I thought it was just a great story that you just stand by someone. What little you have, you got pacifier, use your pacifier. You got chocolate in your mouth, take out and... Let's sing this song, shall we rise? At the cross, at the cross, His holy presence surrounds us.
Today. If you need the comfort of God, why don't you come? Why don't you come in all humility and have someone stand by you and just pray with you? Have a Jonathan come by you and, and help you to find strength in God and pray. Why don't you also make this resolution that as you walk out from here, that you would be a Jonathan to someone? Go help find, help someone find strength in God. And stand by that person and speak words of comfort and commendation to the person. Shall we do that? I'm just going to end with a word of prayer and I encourage you to, to come forward and, and our deacons and elders will come and pray with you. Pray strength into you, pray courage into you and stand with you. Do that. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful to you for the words of comfort, commendation, and commission that we are to be your witnesses where you have placed us, wherever you have placed us. We thank you for your word of comfort. Fear not, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. There will be times when you will put people in our lives to stand with us and to speak words of comfort to us and give strength to us. So this morning, Lord, I pray indeed that your word will be true. Fear not. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forgive you. I'll forsake you. And I love you. I love you. And I know you love me. I know that by faith. So thank you, our Father. Thank you for the encouragement that you bring to our hearts today. With the comfort that we have received, help us now then to bring comfort to someone. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.